welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey Kingdom Culture family, welcome to our online experience. So good to see you all once again. Really hope one day many of you, if you're watching and you only feel comfortable watching online, that eventually we will see you soon live and in person at our former venue before the pandemic, the Cineplex, which is the Scotiabank Theatre. So if you haven't already, if you're watching from abroad, awesome, glad that you're here. But if you're local, hope to see you soon. There's nothing like being in person. But of course, we're always going to make this available online, a shorter online experience. There's been some confusion. There's been some people that have been coming back slowly, uh, even this Sunday, uh, this past Sunday. And I want to just say that uh, the online experience is a shorter experience at a different time at 10.30. Our in-person experience at the Scotiabank Theatre is at 9.30, one hour before the online. So I just want to make sure we're all aware of that because I know there's been some confusion. Uh, 10.30 online, 9.30 live, and it's a longer experience. More worship and ministry time, it's amazing. There's nothing like being, again, in person. It's been, I think, almost four and a half months now. So Anyways, we're going to dive into today's message, and please, like, share this online, like it. If you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our new YouTube channel called Supernatural Leadership. Supernatural Leadership, where there's going to be a whole bunch of video interviews being posted consistently and other small clips, and that connects to our podcast as well. And so I want to encourage you, uh, also subscribe to our Supernatural Leadership YouTube channel as we move forward. We're going to open up in Genesis chapter 12, um, something that I've probably spoken from maybe three times in the last decade, and I'm going to be diving into um, uh, Abraham's journey when it comes to him believing for his promise and what God had declared over his future and that it would affect you know everybody as we know it today even if you are in Christ if you are in relationship with Christ this word affects you the word that God gave Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 Abraham is about 75 years old at the time so you got to think contextually here like he's at the end of his life he's nearing the end of his life and yet here comes God Uh, above and beyond, outside of time, speaking into something that really makes no logical sense. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says this, The Lord said to Abram, because his his name was actually Abram before it was Abraham, the changeover signified a spiritual transition in his life, just like from Saul to Paul, okay? And uh, others throughout Scripture. So in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, the Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. In other words, leave what's familiar, leave what's certain, 
Leave where you're the most confident. Leave where you're the most secure. Leave where you're the most comfortable. Leave everything that you've ever, uh, you know, looked for and hoped for, and now you have because you believe for it and you struggled for it and you told for it. Leave it all behind. Leave your family, those that you're closest to, your friendships, your relatives, your father's family, and go to a new space. Go to a new territory. For some of you, this is a word for you. You are in a transitional season. You are in a, a, a hallway season. You've left one door and you're moving to another door. But while you're moving, you're in that hallway. I spoke about this last week live if you were there. Go to a land I will show you. Verse 2. I will make you, and this is why he said go, because I'm going to make you into a great nation. In other words, you can't become all that I've called you to become if you just stay in this spiritual place. I'm speaking metaphorically. For him, it was a geographical place. For you, it may be a spiritual place. If you just stay here in the same old, same old, then you will not be able to fulfill all that I put on in the inside of you. So it says this, I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. In other words, I've got your back. I'm with you along on the journey. And if people see that I am with you, they will be blessed as well. And if they don't, well, they're going to struggle a little bit. It says this, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. This is a, a huge prophetic promise for Abram. He has no grid. He has no understanding, probably of even the depth of these words. But he feels this nudge from God. He knows that he's called to get out of where he's comfortable and move ahead so that he can become all that a God is destined to him for him to become. Now, the reason why this is so important, because this trickles through the person of Christ. Jesus was of the seed of Abraham. And because we are co-heirs with Jesus and our inheritance is his, our inheritance is also the same inheritance that God had promised Abraham, okay? So Galatians chapter 3, verse 14 says, Through Christ Jesus, who was the seed of Abraham, God, God has blessed the Gentiles, which is you and I, everyone outside of the Jews. God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. So God has blessed us. Put yourself in that, that, that scripture there. He has blessed us, those that have been grafted in, according to Romans. We've been grafted into the vine. You know, the gospel was first for the Jews because of their rejection. The Gentiles were grafted in, but it was always part of the plan. Okay? Because we are grafted in, the promise over Abraham is also our promise. That promise I just read in Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3. I will make your name great. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. You'll be a blessing to others. Everybody who comes after you, your descendants, will be blessed because of you. It says here, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Skip a few verses ahead in verse 29 of the same chapter in the book of Galatians. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham because Jesus was that that was his lineage okay from abraham to jesus to us you are the true children of abraham you are his heirs and god's promise to abraham belongs to you we are his heirs we receive everything that god promised abraham is ours to receive now you might be thinking well how is it even possible i don't know this guy i don't know much about him 
Um, you know, I don't even, I, I, I don't even have any connection to the things that he was saying or promising Abraham. I don't really even understand it. Well, hopefully this is motivation for you to dive in to the promise over Abraham and see how that affects you through your relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay. And if that's, I'm talking to those that are in relationship right now, maybe you're on the journey. This promise is for you, but it's only a matter of time before you say yes to let Jesus into your life where you have access and all access past this promise and this inheritance. God's promise to Abraham um, was entirely dependent upon God to bring to pass, not Abraham, okay? He said, I will show you where to go. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. These are all I wills, okay? I will bless you. I'll make your name great. I'll be, I'll make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. I will bless all the people of the earth through you. He kept saying over and over again, I will do this. So the fulfillment of this word entirely depends on God, but there was only one requirement, only one thing necessary for Abraham to activate, I'm going to use that word, activate this promise. It was to go. He had to move. He had to step out. This is the faith journey of all of us. We walk by faith, not by sight. It doesn't say we walk or we, we, we sit by faith or we stand by faith or we just stay where we are by faith. No, the faith journey is always a walking journey. It's a moving ahead journey. The kingdom is not a swamp. Okay, it's a, it's a life-giving river. It's always moving. It's always advancing. It's always pushing forward. And so faith in, light, in the life of a kingdom believer is always stepping out and moving forward. So the only thing that was really dependent upon Abraham was the step to basically push the activation button. If you go, if you leave where you're comfortable, leave where you're certain, leave where you're secure, then this, all of this will be yours. Abraham had to go. Now, like I said, he was 75 years old. He was 75 years old. And this was a, an incredible, massive, significant um, request from God to Abraham as a 75 year old. He had no heirs at this point, had no family from his own bloodline, nobody yet. And yet God's telling him he's going to do all these amazing things and he's going to make his family great. And he's going to bless all the families of the earth through what happens through Abraham and his descendants would be great. And we see this chapters later about God showing him how vast his descendants are going to be. And yet Abraham has nobody, has no son, has no lineage right now to carry on, to multiply. And so Abraham, probably like you and I at times are like, how is this going to happen? God's called you to do something massive. Doesn't make sense. God called you, he's called you to be very wealthy and yet you're struggling. You're barely paying ends meet. You're barely surviving. Like there, this is the nature of God's promises. God's promises always come into areas of our life where often we feel the most weak. We feel the most insignificant. We feel the most small. This was Abraham's moment. This was Abraham's journey. And, uh, but God called him to move. God called him to step out. God called him to do the impossible without really understanding or knowing what life would entail. And he's 75 years old. And we know that the promise didn't even begin to be really fulfilled until 25 years later. So now we have the promise and we have like 25 years of disappointment, struggle, 
doubt, unbelief, kind of like a lot of us, we have like a month of that and we're freaking out. We have, you know, two years of that and we're wondering and we give up on God. We have five years of that and we're like, for sure, we're throwing in the towel. 10 years, we're like, I don't even believe in God anymore. 20 years, we're like, we're done. Like we're just done with life. But Abraham, 25 years goes by and he's still not really seeing the hope, the glimmer. I mean, he's still not really seeing him. He saw potentially He made some decisions or let his wife make some decisions to make some stuff happen. Didn't really go well for him. That wasn't part of God's plan. God uses it. God uses things that sometimes we make mistakes or we struggle in the flesh to to do or we do in the flesh. He uses them, redeems them. But what I'm trying to say is this, is that there's always this massive gap of time. I was talking about this last week. It's like seed time and harvest. There's a time to plant the seed and there's a time to harvest the seed. In between the seed... And in between the harvest, there is time. And that's where we struggle the most. This is where probably Abraham needed constant encouragement along his journey. It it feels dark. It feels dark in these moments. For 25 years, it probably felt dark for Abraham. Probably felt confusing for Abraham. I always say this, you know, um, we uh, the, the that faith is not a walk in the park, but a walk in the dark. That's really what faith looks like and feels like. It's, you want, if you want to learn what faith is, just close your eyes. What do you see? Nothing. Exactly. That's what faith often feels like because you can't use your natural eyes. You got to let God turn on your spiritual eyes, your insight, your internal insight. Okay. And so this is part of the journey that we are all on. God, God, of course, in all of this is the light in our dark areas. In the, like for Abraham, it was dark. It didn't make sense. He's moving ahead, leaving everything he knows to be true. It feels completely dark. Faith is not a walk in the park. It's a walk in the dark. And yet God has to be, has to get Abraham's attention in, in, into a place where he's reminded that in the end, it's going to be God that fulfills this thing. As long as he's obedient and as long as he walks and moves ahead, God will be the light in the darkness. What feels like at times the dark sky of our lives, there will always be stars to guide us. And I'm speaking metaphorically here that even in the darkest of seasons, there's still light in the sky. There's glimmers of hope. There's, there's little encouragements along the way that help keep us moving ahead. It's not totally dark. Yes, God is our light, but God also gives us little lights along the way to keep encouraging us to move forward. Let's read Genesis chapter 15, verse 5 says this, then the Lord took Abram outside. This is several chapters later. Years have gone by. I don't know exactly how many years at this point, but years have gone by most likely. And he's probably discouraged. She's probably like thinking about this promise. When's this thing going to happen? I'm getting old. And you know, my, my fishies are dying off here. I don't know how this is going to work. How am I going to make this happen? My wife is super old. She's super discouraged. You know, all of her, you know, eggs are cracked open. Nothing's working. We can't make it happen. And yet God's reminding him, okay, I'm going to give you some little lights in the sky. I'm going to give you some little reminders, little, little hope, little reminders that I've got you. I've got this. My promise is yes and amen. And in verse five of chapter 15 of Genesis, it says, the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky. This was at night. And count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. I love this. I mean, how many of us out there, how many of us out there right now have been given these amazing 
dreams or we have these amazing dreams. We've maybe we've been given, given amazing prophetic words and promises and yet we're in the middle. It's been five, 10 years and nothing's happening. And yet somehow God brings somebody else along the way to remind you of those words. And maybe for some of you, you're like, oh, I don't want to hear it again. I, I can't hear it about it again. I've heard this word 10,000 times. But what made Abraham righteous is that he believed the word. He believed the word. For some of you, you don't want to hear it again because it reminds you of what you're not. It reminds you of how far you are from the promise he gave you 10 years ago. But every time you believe the encouragement from God, from the Lord himself, you are standing right before him because you are believing in his word over and over again. This is what faith looks like, friends. It's not a one-time thing. It's an over and over again journey of perseverance, believing despite your circumstances. I can preach this and say this 10,000 times. And it's never going to change the fact that once you're in it is when you need to apply it and when it gets the most heart. Once you're in it, you can hear this and be, ah, I'm so encouraged, pastor. Thank you so much for that encouraging word. And now, you know, seven months go by, two years go by, and the promise that you once had faith for does not seem to be manifesting. Yet you're hearing the same word over and over again. Keep believing, keep believing. This is the test of your faith, to keep believing. This was Abraham's test. These stars that he saw when he looked up spoke to his future spoke to the hope and the promise on the other side of a whole bunch of fear, disappointment, discouragement, and uncertainty. Like I said, 25 years had to pass, probably full of doubting, wondering, challenges, ups and downs, feelings like it's not making sense. This moment was a testimony of God's faithful promise and testimonies like these little stars in the sky that point to a future promise of God's goodness, speak to our future and remind us of why we need to keep going, why it matters, why our investments matter, why our spiritual investments in people's lives matter, even if we don't see the results. So I'm encouraging you today to look up. I'm encouraging to look in the darkness and look for the signs in the sky, speaking metaphorically, the signs all around you that remind you of God's faithfulness. And often, I mean, not often, sorry, all the time, the lights shine the brightest when it's dark. The lights are always there, but when the sun's out, we're not seeing everything we're seeing at night. It's the night that reveals the light. The dark times of your life are what reveals the most encouraging light if you just look up. Some of you are looking down in your dark times. All you're looking at is where you're at, your struggle where you currently stand, you're discouraged. You're like, I don't want to stand here anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. This is not fun. I don't know how to move ahead. I, I don't know about you, but try walking when you're staring at your feet. It's very dangerous. You might just walk off a cliff. You might not see the cliff until it's too late, but if you keep your eyes ahead, and even more, if you keep your eyes up, you will walk right. So I want to talk today for a brief time on lights in the dark. Lights in the dark. And I want to ask you, what are your lights in the dark. Let's go back to Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Remember, this is your word. This is your promise. I'm speaking this to you. It's my promise. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And I will be a blessing. I will, sorry, and you will be a blessing to others. 
I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And like I said, all these promises come with, I want to say the promise of fearful moments, the promise of potentially discouraging moments. All these promises of greatness that are going to require great faith come with all of these things attached. And it's our journey to wrestle them out as they come. We need these lights when fear is at its greatest in our life. We need, the thing, the thing is when, when fear is at its greatest, that's when we need the most faith to continue on when we feel fear. We need these lights in the dark, but for many reasons, of course, we need these lights in the dark when life feels uncertain. Write that down. We need these light, these glimmers of hope, like Abraham had when he looked in the sky, saw the stars, to remind him of his promise, his purpose. We need these lights when life feels uncertain. Genesis 15, verse 5 to 6, the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. He couldn't. The purpose and the premise was, you can't. But it's so big, the promise is so big, it's beyond your ability to comprehend. It's beyond your ability even to count. You cannot mathematically calculate how this is going to happen. You cannot mathematically calculate all that's going to happen. It's so uncertain, but it's a promise. Now, let's just rewind a few verses from this last few verses I just read in verse 1 of chapter 15. It says this, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham. Because God was anticipating his fear. You're going to walk in darkness. That's why I'm taking you out. I'm reminding you at night. Look up in the sky. I'm reminding you. I'm, I'm giving you these reminders in the night when it's hard, when it's dark. I'm showing you these little lights in the sky to remind you you can do this. Remind you of the promise I have, been, I have declared over your life. But I know you're going to be afraid. I know you're going to come up against fear. He says, don't be afraid, Abraham. I will protect you. And your reward will be great. Here's what I want to say. That the rewards are always the greatest on the other side of sometimes our greatest fears in life. Think about right now your greatest fears. The, 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 the space where you're the most fearful. Maybe you've had this dream in your heart, but yet you're fearful of failing. I know I have lots of those. I have lots of those. I don't want to fail. Who likes failing? We all probably have a measure of this fear of what if it doesn't work out, fear of failing. But when God, if God has called you and he's leading you, he has promised he will protect you. And it's in these moments that we need to be reminded that the other side of fear is always great reward. And God can anticipate our fear. And so he has to come to Abraham and be like, listen, I've got you. I'll protect you. Don't you worry. He, he wants you to be reminded that when fear comes at you, you can focus on faith. You can focus on fighting back because you know you've already won. I remember my, my son was going through this process when he was younger about, you know, just the dark. You know, every kid, I think, goes through that, you know. Um, and I, I remember it was Friday, the the Friday morning, the 13th, Friday the 13th, interesting, October 2017. And on the way to school, I was driving Ezekiel to school, and he said to me he saw four angels in his bedroom at 8 o'clock in the morning. And they were, he described them as white and yellow. He said they were angels. He described them as white and yellow circles with wings. And they said, these angels spoke to him and said, don't be afraid. 
And I asked Ezekiel, like, why? Because do you think that they were saying, don't be afraid of the dark? And he didn't respond to me. He just said this, Daddy, I need to talk to Jesus more. And I just feel like it was in that season where God was, I, I, I remember this, this moment for Ezekiel. It was like he was bringing him along a new journey of understanding God's faithful protection. You know, as he was going through probably things in his head, you know, it's dark and maybe he's wondering if something's going to come out of the closet. I don't know. Maybe he watched too many superhero movies that I've shown him in the past. Who knows? But at that time of his life, he was breaking through a new level of confident trust in his God. And so these angels come, say, don't be afraid. And all he gets from that is I need to talk to Jesus more in the relationship as it unfolds, as my trust in God unfolds, the fear is going to continue to break over and over and over again. I was talking to somebody uh, this past week, an elderly man that uh, you know was at the, the experience and just was so encouraging and was encouraging me, but it was just just sharing what he was going through and uh, you know just the time of his life and he's older, he's coming to like you know close to the near the end, kind of like Abraham of his life and. And he was telling me about how whenever he gets discouraged, whenever he feels like life feels a little bit uncertain, he has this little note, this little yellow sticky note that he's folded up and keeps in his wallet. And he's written all the good things that God has ever done on his life, in his life, down on this little sticky note. I mean, in little tiny pen handwriting. He said he takes this out, he showed me it. He takes it out and it's just covered back and front of all kinds of God testimonies, stories, reminders, God's promises over his life. He takes it out and he reads it and it reminds him that even though life, when it feels uncertain, I can be reminded of God's faithfulness. These testimonies, these stories are like the stars in the dark sky that God was asking Abraham to look up and see. A reminder of the hopeful promise on the other end. So encourage me. We need those lights, these lights in dark times in and through our lives. Maybe you got to write them down, get a sticky note out, get a, you know, maybe it's on your phone, your notes on your phone, whatever, but write down things that God has done in and through your life so that when you get discouraged, you can go back and read them. That's why I encourage my kids to document all their dreams and document um, all their, their, their prayers of faith and what they're believing for and words that are given to them because they're going to go through times in life when they're discouraged and those document, documented stories and dreams that they've had at night will be reminders and encouragements to keep going when they're discouraged. Well, we also need these lights in the dark when we wonder if what we are doing matters. I'm sure Abraham went through this. Like, why does all this matter? Like, you know, like I I don't have a kid yet. I'm still journeying this journey. I've shared this prophetic word with all kinds of people. My wife knows about it. And there's just no hope that this is going to actually manifest. And, you know, I left everything that was comfortable. I left everything that I've built, that I've acquired. I left it all. My family, my relatives. Like, does anything I'm doing really matter? We can get so in our heads in dark times. In 25 years for Abraham, I'm sure he was in his head a lot. I'm sure he was wondering, is what I'm even doing matter? Does it matter? Because I don't feel I see the fruit. I don't feel, this, I don't see the the, the beginnings of the promise of God. I know the, prof- the prophetic words. I know the reminders, but I'm just in a discouraging, discouraging place. And, and uh, it says here, the Lord took Abraham outside, 
Look up into the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. I don't think Abraham had a choice. I don't think Abraham had a choice to, even though he was discouraged, and even though he wondered if what he was doing matters, he had these words that he held on to, that, that allowed him or motivated him or thrust, would, would thrust him every time he was discouraged into a confident place again. And I think about these statements often in my head, like, and this one came to me a lot in the last several years, and it was this statement, who encourages the encouragers? Who encourages the encouragers? And it's interesting to me that people think that most, the, often the most encouraging person in the room must not need encouragement. And that's why they're encouraging. It's like, who's counseling the counselors? You know, it's everyone needs someone. Everyone, the most encouraging people need the most encouraging people. The most counsel-oriented people need counseling. I mean, everybody needs support. Everyone needs encouragement. I mean, I've even had people over the years preface their encouragement to me with, I don't want to blow up your head. I don't want to make your head big, but I want to encourage you. It's like you, you just destroyed your encouragement. All I'm thinking about now is you put a condition on your encouragement and don't encourage me. If you're going to preface it with a negative, don't encourage me because it sounds like you're more afraid to give an encouragement than you are to give a negative statement. I don't want your encouragement. I've had this happen many times over and over again because somehow people think because I'm the encourager often that I don't need encouragement, but then if I get encouragement, it's going to make my head blow up. Well, hey, listen, if my head blows up, hopefully God's got me and God will bring me back on the right path, but I'd rather be encouraged than to not be encouraged because of the potential of my head blowing up. Imagine I got up on a Sunday morning or even online and I said, listen, I don't want to encourage anybody right now in the room. I'm going to be like more discouraging today. I don't want to pray for anybody. I don't want to prophesy life over anybody because of what it might do to your head. Because of what it might do. You might leave with a big fat head walking out like I'm the man, I'm the woman. No, no, I'm going to encourage you. And I'm going to let God deal with the aftermath because you can never err on encouragement, but you will always err on discouragement. You will always err on not saying the thing that could be encouraging to somebody. And so I want to encourage our culture. I want to encourage you. Develop an encouraging culture. Encourage as much as you can. There, I mean, in the beginning of my journey, especially when it came to the prophetic, I would literally spend hours, and I would do this anonymously in the beginning, I would take blank cards and I would write prophetic encouragements for people and I would drop them off in their mailbox or I'd hand deliver them uh, or, or I would deliver them through somebody else and it would be anonymous. And I spent my time praying for people to encourage them because I knew that if I sowed encouragement, I would reap encouragement. If I sowed encouragement, I would reap encouragement. You always get dividends back from your investment if you do it the right way. So I want to encourage you to encourage. I remember about a week and a half ago, I was at this uh, pastor's gathering in my city here in Ottawa. And it was a sold out, you know, uh, experience, sold out event. 250 pastors gathered from around the city. And uh, I'd say probably 75 to 80% of them were um, uh, you know, relatively older, 
uh, in their senior years, and um, you know, and the rest were probably a little bit younger. And there was obviously some. It wasn't all lead pastors. There was you know worship pastors there. There was associate pastors there, and probably even youth pastors there. And I didn't get to talk to everybody, of course, but over 250 pastors in the city, and uh, and I remember at the beginning of it, someone got up and asked people to stand up like who had been pastoring in the city for or lead pastoring in the city for over 25 years and it was like over 35 years and it was over 40 years and then over 45 50 years and there was I think there was um uh one that was I think 62 years of pastoring like like consistently in the city of Ottawa 62 years was the the highest and I think the second down from that was 57 years and there was about you know, two or three that kept standing because, you know, the, the years kept going and they kept standing and they were like the last two, three standing. And the second couple that was standing, it was 57 years, they'd been pastoring in the city. And everyone was cheering and they were, you know, clapping, you know, encouraging them that, you know, they, they made it this long. Like they didn't give up. They didn't throw in the towel. They didn't quit. And uh, at the end of this, there was a little bit of a break for food at, at one time. And I went back to get some food and this one pastor who had been pastoring for 57 years out of all these pastors we just gave him this massive applause comes up to me out of nowhere and gives me he comes in he he pulls me in he hugs me like and he holds on to me I mean tight and I'm like what's going on I'm like thinking like this is this is random you know and hugs me tight holds me tight and he whispers in my ear this encouraging statement And he says to me, he says, you know, several years ago, I came to your church. I was going through a really stressful time. And I came to you guys when you were at Carleton University. Because we were at Carleton University for a season when we left our building. Um, This would have been probably the end of 2015 to all the way till 2017, beginning of 2018, I think. Correct me, I could be wrong on some of the dates. But I know we were there for about two years at Carleton, and he comes, he, he said, I came to Carleton University when you were there having church. I was going through a really hard time, really stressful season, but I felt I needed to come to your church. So he came, and he's like, he said to me, Timmy, in my ears, he said, your message was so encouraging to me. Your message was exactly what I needed, is exactly the strength I needed. He said, it, he said, it was like spinach to Popeye. He's like, I even remember what you were talking about. You were talking about not quitting. And this just, it choked me up. I'm like, here I am, this, you know, in, in, in relation to how long he's been doing this as a pastor, 57 years. Here I am. Often I wonder, is everything, I, is what I do matter? Does, 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 do, does this matter? Online, are people getting something from this and live? And often, I'm just being honest, like it's probably in everybody's head out there at times. Every pastor you will ever come in contact with has moments where they're like, is what I'm doing matter? Does it matter? And here I am years later at this event with a whole bunch of pastors being encouraged by one of the standing veterans and encouraging me that encouraged him not to give up and quit when it was a stressful time. And even, uh, even to make matters even more impacting, at the very end of the event, I actually talked to him and his wife together. And his wife, without even knowing that we had this conversation, said the same thing. I remember the day my husband felt he needed to go to your church, came back super encouraged. Like it just so encouraged me. And I say this to say that we don't know who's there. We don't know 
that often what we're doing really matters until we hear moments or experiences or testimonies like this and they become like stars in the night sky for us to keep us going, to keep us moving ahead, to keep us from throwing in the towel ourselves, to, to realize that every time we do anything led by God, it's making and leaving an impact. This so, so encouraged me. And these are the little lights that I believe really matters. But how about this? We need these lights in the dark when you are doubting or we are doubting what God has said. When we are doubting what God has said. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but chapters later now. We started Genesis chapter 12, moved to chapter 15. There's multiple times where God shows up and reminds Abraham of the promise. I'm not going to go through all of them. But now we're in Genesis 18. This is about a year prior to now the beginnings of the dream or the, the promise fulfilled. Abram's almost 100 years old, okay? And there's still no sign of this promise being fulfilled. Genesis 18, they're hanging out one day and three angels come that look like men come and visit Abram and his wife. And I'm gonna fast forward instead of reading the whole passage. It's one, you can read it from one verse one to 15, but I'm gonna start in verse 10. Speaking of one of the angels says, then one of them said, I'll return to you about this time next year and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time and Sarah was long past the age of having children. Verse 12, so she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband is also so old. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll return about this time next year and Sarah, Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. Now there happens an argument about whether she laughed or not. But the, the, the premise of this is she was doubting. Even when she heard God speak through the angel, she's doubting. How many of us have had that experience? We hear God speak and now we doubt how this is going to happen. They've already heard God speak multiple times, multiple times. They know the promise, especially Abraham. But now Sarah herself firsthand is hearing a messenger of the Lord, an angel, an angel of the Lord speak again, the reminder of the promise. And yet she laughs she doubts. And, and oftentimes, I mean, some of my biggest steps in faith, I felt God lead me to something. I felt God say, do this or say this or prophesy this, especially when I'm traveling and I leave thinking, oh my gosh, what did I just do? Like, I'm doubting. Like, did, did, did I really recognize what God was saying right? Did I, did I interpret it correctly? And one of my favorite things is getting an email years later, maybe a month later, maybe 10 years later, hearing how the word that I spoke, that I felt God was speaking, came to pass. The prophecy that I spoke or prophesied was fulfilled. I love hearing moments like this. It's so life-giving. It becomes a star in the night sky for me. A reminder to keep on going. A reminder. I come out of my tent, metaphorical tent, just like Abraham, and I look up and I see these little things in the sky lighting up my path, lighting up my way when it feels dark, when it feels impossible, when it feels like, hey, I don't want to keep going. And I'm reminded of the faithfulness of God's word. I'm reminded of the faithfulness of who God is and wants to be for 
my life. We need these lights in the dark when we are doubting what God has said. What are you doubting right now? Think about it. In your own life, what have you doubted? What are you doubting? God has spoken something to you, you're doubting. If it's God, I just believe this. You can't fail by stepping out. You may feel like it's failure, but part of succeeding in life is navigating what feels like failure and in the end seeing it redeemed and turned into success. Because often what feels like failure now becomes the platform or seedbed and soil for success down the road, but we just don't see it. Hindsight is always 2020, and God is in the business of being redemptive. There's so many things that I can't even talk about. There's certain things that I don't even like talking about. I can't talk about it, but I don't like talking about them because I feel like they're failed moments. We did this, stepped out in the faith, and did this, and it just didn't happen the way that I thought it was going to happen, or it didn't manifest. But I wonder sometimes, something that someone just said to me recently, I told them, I'm like, I can't even talk about that. Like It, it rattles me to the, to the core. I'm like, I... I felt like we, we did all this thing and, we, and, and it just didn't, didn't work out. And they said to me, they said, well, who knows? It, can, it, it could bear fruit down the road. It could bear fruit five years from now. Who knows what God's going to do with it? And it's true. There are seeds that are put into the ground. Sometimes we forget about them, but at some point, they begin to sprout. I just believe this for many of you watching. At some point, some of your greatest failures that you felt like were failures are going to begin to sprout. And if you could just continue on moving forward, they will sprout when they are ready and when God desires for them to sprout. You watch what God can do even with your failures. As we close, I wanted to say this, that the greatest part of Abraham's promise being fulfilled wasn't how it personally impacted his own personal life because he didn't get the chance to really see the fullness of it. He saw the beginnings of it with Isaac. Isaac was his firstborn son, blood son, that began the process of the journey. We have the patriarchs of the faith. We have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham didn't get to see how amazing his prophetic word was really in the end. But we are a result of all that now. But the greatest fruit of Abraham's prophetic word was Jesus Christ being part of his lineage. And this is why we have a shared promise with Abraham because of Jesus Christ. He stands in the middle. He stands in the gap between us and God, reconciling us back to God. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 3 verse 6 says this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, us, are heirs together with Israel, the Jews, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. And so I want to encourage us in this season to meditate on the promise over Abraham and to meditate on the person of Jesus and how we can fulfill all of that through him. And God wants to fulfill all of that through us while we live presently, not just one day when we die and get swept up, you know, and are in heaven, geographically, spiritually, geographically in heaven, united with Christ in that way. I'm talking about right now. 
as people who are children of God manifesting and actually living out the promises that were spoken over Abraham and how they're fulfilled through Christ in our relationship with him today. I want to encourage us to meditate on this in this season. And remember that there are lights that come your way to light up your darkness. And all you have to do is look up. Sometimes look around. They're everywhere. They may be in your kids. They may be in your coworkers. They may be with your friends. Pay attention to where you're getting those glimmers of hope in this season because they're what are gonna, they are what is going to help keep you going when things get tough and things get a little bit rough in your spiritual life. And so I want to encourage you, wherever you are right now, let's just pray together. Let's believe God together. Father, I just pray that wherever your people are watching from or listening from, that God, you just remind them in this season about your hope. Remind them about your light that guides them when things feel dark, that faith is not a walk in the park, but it's a walk in the dark. And in the dark, there's always hope. There's always light. There's always things along the way to help us and guide us to keep going in Jesus' name. So God, thank you for what you're going to do today through this online broadcast. God, I pray that you would bring hope, bring encouragement, and bring strength in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Kingdom Culture, and I hope you have an amazing Sunday.